Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. the Tracy Sandler show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am super excited to welcome Jaguars team reporter Kainani Stevens to the show. Welcome to the Tracy Sandler show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I know both of us are very well rested from our bye week, so it should be a good one. Yes, it should be a good one for sure. And hopefully the teams are also very well rested from the bye week. I don't know about the Jaguars. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I do know about the Jaguars, but I can speak obviously more thoroughly on the 49ers. And this was a team that was badly in need of a bye week going into it on a three game losing streak after starting the season five and zero, going into it with a couple of injuries, just a couple of updates on Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Debo Samuel back at practice. Trent Williams was not at practice on Wednesday. Kyle Shanahan said they hope to have him back on Thursday. He said it's not a high ankle sprain, but because Williams has had issues with his ankle in the past, it's just taking a little bit longer. So those are kind of the big ones. Where are the Jaguars right now health-wise? And does everybody seem fresh and ready to play football again? They're definitely refreshed today. They felt that way or seemed that way. Um, For us, one we have one kind of lingering injury. That's our wide receiver, Zay Jones. He's been dealing with a knee. He came back, tried to play on it. Didn't really work. Got a second opinion. Everybody's on the same page. So there's no controversy on it. It's just kind of nagging him. So that's been problematic. Um, against the Steelers, they were missing two players in their secondary. So that's huge. We're hopeful that they'll be back. Um, Andre Sisco and Tyson Campbell um, because of what they mean. And of course, I guess, we technically had some issues on offensive line at some point um, because of some of the injuries there, but Walker little, who's a kind of a swing player for us, he got cleared. Um, so he did not play in the last game, but he was cleared. To, so he, we expect him to be starting at left guard coming back in. And then also at the trade deadline, they added some extra depth to that position. So for the most part, we're looking pretty healthy, which is good. Trevor Lawrence had a little bit of a knee thing a couple of weeks ago, but he hasn't really showed any ill effects of that. So health wise, knock on wood, things have been going pretty good. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week and bet online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, you mentioned the offensive line, and let's start there because you mentioned the trade deadline too. So I'm just going to marry the two things and put them together. At the trade deadline, the 49ers added a, I was going to say pass rush depth, but I don't think that would be quite, that wouldn't be a appropriate enough term. Yes, they had a pass rush depth, but they added Chase Young. So as far as pass rush depth goes, pretty strong depth. He's reunited with Nick Bosa, who they were teammates in college uh, at a university in the state of Ohio. The Michigan alumni <laughs> is having trouble saying the words, but nonetheless, they all went to Ohio State. Anyways, um, they went there and they're very happy to be reunited. For the 49ers part, they've been looking for the person on the other side of the line opposite Nick Bosa hoping Chase Young could be that person. Kyle Shanahan said on Wednesday, should he pick up the, the defense the way that they think he will? 
he will have a big role on Sunday. I know the offensive line, as you said, there were some issues. There were some health issues. It is one place that might be a little bit of a weakness for Jacksonville. Kind of what are you seeing out of them and how are they going to match up against this 49ers front seven? So we haven't seen a full healthy offensive line for the Jaguars this season. Um, their left tackle, Cam Robinson, was suspended for the first four games of the season. He came back in game five. And that's when our um, who our swing tackle kind of, or swing player, uh, Walker Little, got hurt two drives into the game. So we haven't seen a full cohesion of what the line, what they would like it to look like. Mm-hmm. So that's been problematic in terms of Trevor Lawrence just hasn't really felt comfortable to stay in the pocket. He certainly can throw it when he has time, but we haven't seen him have a ton of time. And mm-hmm. that's difficult, especially when you're missing a piece like Zay Jones, who is a quick out for you on, you know, to get the ball out quickly. They've had problems there. So they have been focusing on the run a lot more than I think we all thought. Travis Etienne has been mm-hmm. on quite a hot streak for us um, and they've really been feeding him the ball and he can kind of break out and score. He had a receiving touchdown last week too, which is something that he has in his game, but they don't always utilize. And I think for us, it's a that offensive line can surprise, but then also there can be issues and then we haven't seen them healthy yet. So the biggest thing for us is going to be seeing them all healthy. Will Trevor Lawrence then have enough time or is there still going to be issues on the line where they need to address it? And the Fortnite's run de- defense has been rather leaky itself of late. And in that last game against the Bengals, in which, of course, they lost, as I mentioned, three-game losing streak. But in that last game against the Bengals, they gave up a lot of yards. Joe Mixon had quite a game. And this was a Bengals team who they were coming out of their bye, but beforehand, they only ran the ball 15 times against the Seahawks. And then they really just did so well against the Fortnite's. So that'll be an area that's going to be important for them talking a little bit more about the Jaguars offense the skill players that you do have at wide receiver have obviously been really good in Christian Kirk and let me do I, I feel like I have oh Calvin Ridley you guys I was yeah. about to put on my really cool little readers we to, love it but I Calvin Ridley I just knew it just had it right <laughs> off my head but I just want everybody to get to see my fun little Amazon readers you're welcome um, but they are obviously been been really good and I know you guys have been utilizing the tight end a lot so with Trevor Lawrence, he's had a, he's had a good season. I think a lot of people expected him to have a huge breakout season. We haven't quite seen that yet, but he's certainly having a very good season. How can the skill position players help him even more? Because I know the drop rate has not been ideal either. There were a lot of drop seeds, I think, earlier on in the season. Now it's been a little bit of Calvin's been taken out in some games just by double coverage. When you're missing one of your other key wide receivers, that allows them to double down on Calvin. And then, you know, that's when they end up finding Christian Kirk. Evan Ingram is, you know, in the top of the league in terms of catches for tight ends. Um, He's a bit of a safety blanket, of course. And Christian Kirk has been huge on this team leadership wise and just, you know, whenever he needs somebody, a bit of a safety blanket, if you will, as well for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is making that progression. I think we all expected, you know, maybe a bigger leap right out of the gate, which maybe was probably unfair to expect that right out of the gate. Specifically, Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley hasn't played in quite some time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is in his third year and a lot of us don't even count that first year because of Urban Meyer. So it's kind of the second year. Um, And He's from that university I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Just that one place. Um, um, I think part of it as well, uh, there's been a lot. The fans kind of have been getting on offensive coordinator Press Taylor because Doug Peterson has said that he handed over the reins to Press Taylor to do the play calling this year. Mm -hmm. Doug had 
Doug Peterson has always previously been the play caller. And I think that's kind of a cop out for it. Honestly, there's been enough issues. I really, and to be honest, they said last year they were splitting play calling anyway. Doug was doing the first half and Press was doing the second half and they were playing great in the second half. So you never would, you know, you never would have known. Um, so I think that's a bit of a cop out at times, but uh, it it's just not quite coming together yet. So that's why the buy for us was a little bit more of like a, we're six and two. That's amazing. Way better than we expected. And the team doesn't feel like they've played their best football yet, which is a good place to be. If you can still be six and two and feel like you haven't played your best yet, but also now we're getting that point in the season. If you got to get to your best, because Mm -hmm. before you know it, the playoffs are going to be here. Absolutely. We're going into week 10, which is really unbelievable to me. A couple of my colleagues and I were talking about it today. Like, how are we at week 10? It just feels like the season goes so fast. And it's funny because there's still a lot of football left to play Mm -hmm. halfway through the season. For those of us who start covering a training camp, we're like way past halfway through, but halfway through the season, seven games left to play. And then plus the playoffs should both of these teams make it. So it's like so much has happened and yet so much can happen, but it's November, December. This, these are the months that really separate the teams. And these two months are really important for both of these football teams. Uh, You mentioned the offensive coordinator, getting quite a bit of, I guess, criticism or some criticism from the fans on the 49ers and the defensive coordinator has been getting a bit of criticism from the fans and and criticism uh, or questions, I would say, from Kyle Shanahan, which isn't necessarily something we've seen in the past with he, his defensive coordinators when they struggled. But I can understand it because it's a lot of talent on this defense. And these last few weeks, they kind of fell apart. Now, I will say, uh, and I have a segment later in the show with Matt Sims. And we talk a little bit about this, but if you look at the first five games, even when the team was so dominant, a lot of the issues are the same issues. Mm -hmm. The offense was so dominant, but Steve Wilkes has really come under fire in San Francisco. And this is a guy who's been coaching from the booth on Sunday. He will be coaching from the field. I'm very interested. Did you see? Yeah. I'm interested to see that because you've had these personalities in D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala that, they should be on the field. I mean, that excitement is genuine. It's just their, it's their aura. It's their essence. It's who they, who they are. Steve Wilkes is a very different kind of personality. He's a different kind of coordinator. I am just curious to see what this does. Does it help? Does it hurt? Does it do nothing at all? Uh, I'm curious to see, but I also, Kyle Shanahan talked a little bit today. I just thought this was kind of interesting. This isn't necessarily matchup related, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that he said for him, when he was the coordinator, he preferred in the booth, even though he only had one year in the booth, but he liked having his desk and writing notes and all of the things. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, but I don't know, like from your perspective, from the Jaguars perspective, is that something you look at, you look at an energy? I don't know. I find it kind of interesting. It's definitely a personal preference thing, of course. And I think sometimes with offensive coordinator, it might be a little bit easier to kind of spread things out and like look around at the sheets and all that stuff. Um, defensive coordinator, in terms of personality, is interesting because our defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, is about as calm as you could possibly get, mm-hmm. never gets too high, too low. So like, he's not a big hype man on the sideline, but he he is down there. And I think for our team, it's just Doug Peterson. It's just he's that guy. Like you just trust what he says. Like he can make you feel, you know, when you're down to the chargers that you can come all the way back and get a crazy playoff when he's that kind of coach He's mm-hmm. done it before he has the respect of the players. So obviously I think whatever works for you is, is what's going to work for you. But in terms of that being huge, I don't know. I mean, for your team, it might be, I, I think it's personal preference. If you're comfortable where you are and if, if he thinks being on the sideline, I think being around the team is, Mm -hmm. can be helpful at times, especially if you feel like you're struggling a little bit. So maybe that's a needed change. 
And then Fred Warner I mean, that's how I think previous coordinators did communicate with the linebackers and on the field. So I'm just curious to see. I think that will be interesting. And I wonder how long it lasts. Uh, but I don't know that we're going to see anybody having to pull Steve Wilkes back like we've seen in the past right. from the other quarters. It's just that's not his personality. And that's OK. That doesn't need yeah. to be his personality. But I think what he does need to do is put the defense in the best position that they can to win. And he had made a comment after the game in Minneapolis where he has a lot of talent on the team and he has to trust that they can do their job. So it'll be interesting. Then they go up against a Bengals team that was well-rested and Joe Burrow, who is healthy as could be and, and certainly did not play well. But will be interesting to see kind of what changes we see on that side of the ball. So we talked about the Jaguars offense. Let's talk about the 49ers offense, which as I mentioned mm-hmm. at the top of the show, has Debo Samuel back, which is very good news for them. Kyle Shanahan talked a little bit today that really, since Christian McCaffrey got to San Francisco, mm-hmm. he and Debo Samuel have not really been healthy and in tip-top form at the same time. I and mean, Christian has been, but Debo he had a bunch of health stuff kind of after Christian got there last year and or got here last year. And then this year, Debo started out really strong and healthy, and then he struggled with injuries. So having them together does make a very big difference. But the Fortnite's have a number of offensive weapons. I, of course, mentioned Christian McCaffrey. I think it's going to be a very big, <laughs> excuse me, Christian McCaffrey day on Sunday. Yeah. They have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk. They have George Kittle. There's a lot. They have Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, there's even the people, people kind of forget Kyle Juszczyk, and he's a tremendously good offensive skill player. So how does this Jaguars defense match up, and what do they see as their biggest concerns? So it's definitely a name game because there's so many players, right? You guys have weapons everywhere. And obviously McCaffrey's name came out of of everybody's mouth in the locker room today about someone they're looking at because he can beat you in so many different ways. So Mm -hmm. for the Jaguars defense, they're they're incredible at the run stop. So what's going to possibly hurt them is those short yard passes and then, you know, the yards after catch. Um, What the Jaguars really have been relying on this year is... Um, Josh Allen, who's their leading pass rusher, he's in a contract year and and he's trying to get paid and he is simply doing all he needs to do, but he's a leader. He's a leader on that defense and he's really been doing a lot up front to open things up and turnovers are huge for us. Um, our differential is not great because uh, some fumbles and interceptions are not helping us out, but we lead the league in uh, mm-hmm. with 18 forced turnovers. So that's oh, kind that's of the name of the game. a lot of turnovers. My goodness. It is. Every single game, it feels like there's at least two or three. So, um, and it's interceptions, it's forcing fumbles. It's just, you know, and when you give your offense extra opportunities, that's how they've been able to string five wins together um, mm-hmm. here and the streak that they're on. And a lot of that is be, just being opportunistic, finding the ball. And they've had a lot of injuries at different points where the people behind them have been stepping up. And that's new in Jacksonville because normally they're drafting to, you know, very high in the first round and they're saying, go out there and figure it out. But now they're at a point where they can kind of backfill, work with, you know, their second secondary players, um, you know, backup so that when the time comes, they're ready to go. So we really haven't seen a ton of drop off. Um, we got, we got a little motivation for the players, so to speak, um, when George Pickens last week calling the Jaguars a hope defense where they go out there and just hope for the best. Um, oh, I just don't know why people say things like that. I mean, you're just asking for trouble. I oh, I know. <laughs> you know, and then they just run with it, of course. So, you know, love the bulletin board material. So, um, 
they so they had a couple turnovers in that game, and that that was when we were without our starting safety and starting cornerback, and they still did quite well, forcing turnovers, getting extra possessions. That's really what's been huge because when the Jacksonville's offense struggles, giving them extra possessions is how you're going to win a football game, even if you're just getting three points out of it or whatever it may be. Um, if you can create extra opportunities and keep the other team out, um, that's been huge for us. You mentioned interceptions, and so I'm going to bring that up because Brock Purdy, who had thrown like no interception since the nineties uh, in the last few weeks has, has thrown a few in and what's going on. I mean, he I was going to throw some eventually. So yes. that was going to happen. You think it's the thing with, with Brock. And I, it's one thing about Brock Purdy that I think the four Niners really like and Shanahan really likes is that he's probably not going to make the same mistake twice. So even though he's thrown these interceptions, he's really somebody who like studies, learns from it and moves forward. And so it's, it's a little hard to say, you know, the Minneapolis game was kind of weird because, or the Minnesota, I mean, it was in Minneapolis. I don't know why I called them that. They're the Minnesota Vikings, but I've just renamed them. But in the game, the Minnesota Monday night game, you know, he got a concussion. It looks like he got it on a quarterback sneak. Both interceptions came after. Are these things related? Who knows? We don't know. Well, we will never actually know. And then again, Cincinnati, he throws that really bad interception in the red zone. And, you know, he said it should have either been a shovel pass to Kittle, a handoff to Elijah Mitchell, both both didn't happen and he tried to force something. And then of course it was the worst case scenario. And that's a kind of mistake. Also, he won't make twice, but I, I think Brock Purdy, 49ers fans are starting to, you know, 49ers Twitter. I don't know if Jaguars Twitter is similar, but sometimes we're yeah. <laughs> yep. um, panicked is the next word, a little concerned. And they yeah. voice these concerns very loudly on the Twitters mm-hmm. or the X's or whatever it is that we're calling it. Yeah. So I know there's been concern about that. When you look at Brock Purdy's play, he's actually played really good football. He's just made a few very bad mistakes. And some of that, I think, is also just learning. He's he's certainly never looked like a seventh-round pick. I still don't think he looks like a seventh-round yeah. pick. But in those first several games last season, he looked like a 10-year vet who'd been leading every single week. And there was just this little bit of learning. And so I do think that's like a little bit of what's been going on. I would say... In my opinion, that's the least of the concerns. The bigger concern is the defense and what's been happening there. But I don't think we'll see him make those same mistakes again this week. And and I think we'll see him really want to clean that up. But I, that's something that when you're going up against a team that leads the league in forcing turnovers, you really want to be aware of. And then we've seen Christian McCaffrey, even Christian McCaffrey, you can really not say anything negative about. He's been tremendous for this team, but he's had two pretty costly fumbles in the last few weeks too. So I'm sure that's something the 49ers are really focused on just in terms of taking care of the football. When you guys look at the offense, obviously with Brock Purdy kind of having a couple of tough games, but it's not like they've completely switched and they're looking for a new quarterback, right? It's, no. it's kind of just a rough patch situation. It's a little, right? And I would say, I don't even think Kyle Shanahan looks at it as a rough patch. Okay. I really don't. When you ask him about it, he says, you know, I think he played, he's played some of his best games. He's just had some costly mistakes. So no, I just, gotcha. Brock Purdy is their guy. I think there would have, it would have to be a really rough patch. And I, I just don't see that happening. I think Brock Purdy also is the guy we're just seeing a couple of bad plays here and there that have made the difference. And what's happened to San Francisco in these last few weeks is <clears throat> what has, what hasn't happened like last year. And then in the first five games of the season, where if the defense is faltering a little bit, the offense can really pick up the slack mm-hmm. or vice versa. And that's something they've been so good at not to use the buzz term, but 
complimentary football has really been their thing. And that's where they've been lacking. And so I imagine they, they felt really fresh today. You know, Kyle Shanahan had mentioned after the Bengals game before the bye that they looked slow and tired. And I would agree with that. They did look really slow and tired in that game. It just, it felt like the two teams were not playing the same game. And I think this bye was really good for them. They all seemed a little bit refreshed. I think Chase Young injects some energy into the team. <laughs> but I do think their bye week came at a really good time. And as you well know, these later buys, it's tough. I mean, you're playing. And when I talked about July earlier, I mean, these guys have been practicing since July 26, 27, 28th. And now we're in November. And with those late buys, it does take its toll. Football is tough. For the 49ers part, there have been a lot of road trips the last few weeks. And they did it differently this year. And I don't necessarily think they did it wrong by any means. But they had a Cleveland game in Cleveland on Sunday, Minneapolis. Again, I'm just renaming the football team. The <laughs> you guys, if you guys just, if you want to take it, it's yours for free. Uh, the game in the Minnesota game, it was a Monday night game the following week. In the past, if they've been Sunday to Sunday games, they've stayed basically on the East Coast for a week mm-hmm. or they would have stayed in the Midwest. They didn't do that. I think it was the right decision because it was a Monday night game and the Cleveland game was early. But all these back and forth trips, it's a lot. And it does take its toll. And I think it did show in them being kind of slow. Uh, back to your original question, which I fully got on topic on, but, but no, Brock Purdy's their quarterback. They're not looking for anyone. <laughs> Very good. I know when you're talking a little bit about how 49ers Twitter can be Jaguars. Twitter mm-hmm. is is very active as well. And they've been very vocal about how they felt that the Jaguars needed to add to their pass rush. So Chase Young was someone that had, they've been talking about, Daniil Hunter, um, and then to see them, not Daniil Hunter to go, but to see Chase Young go. And then kind of, there was a lot of, we could have gotten that sort of situation. But I mean, obviously you guys are very focused on the pass rush as well and complimenting Nick Bosa and having them haven't played together before, um, that's got to be an exciting opportunity. And he's also had that extra week to be there as well to kind of get on the same page before it hits the field. Yeah, that really, I mean, it really is nice at the trade down. This is actually having the 49ers the last two years. Their bye week has been this week. It's been, and it's been the trade deadline. Now, last year, they traded for Christian McCaffrey a little over a week before yeah. the trade deadline. So he, you know, played, he had a week and then he had the bye week. And so it's worked out well for them in those terms. But, you know, pass rush and the defensive line is how uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have built this team from the beginning. That's been their philosophy and they built it from the trenches. And I really felt at the trade deadline, it was going to be pass rush or corner or both. But I think what Chase Young does is hopefully what they hope he does. And Mm -hmm. should he, you know, live up to expectations and be able to stay healthy, which has been a tough thing for him, which is, I've said this on this podcast a million times, my least favorite narrative because it's football and people get hurt. And this idea, and I always, I'm always trying to think of a better way to say it because the idea of someone can't stay healthy, it's not like they're going out there being like, sure, hope I can't stay healthy. Like they don't want that either. So there's, I'm going to work, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on a better way to say it, but should he live up to those expectations? It takes a lot of pressure off of the secondary. And yet this is a 49er secondary that on the outside corners, have played really well. The safeties are playing well where they've struggled is at nickel, but what they don't have right now is the confidence and depth. Some of it's a little bit of injury. Some of it's just lack of confidence in some of the other guys because they could move Diameter or Lenore and nickel, but they, they don't want to put Ambry Thomas on the outside and have him there as a mm-hmm. starter. Samuel Womack's been injured. So having Chase Young take some pressure off of the secondary, which I think will be a positive thing, especially going up against these tough skill position players this weekend. 
you guys have so many changes all the time. I feel like you're always dealing with injuries or whatnot, or, you know, adding new players and additions as well, like Chase Young. But for us, we were talking a little bit about your coach and it's just, he's so good at making adjustments. Like we compared it a little bit to Peterson as well. Cause it's like, you go into halftime and you come into the second half of the game. It's almost like a different game because they just start playing in a completely different way. And how much is what Shanahan's been able to do just in terms of like, just those transitions this season. I I mean, I feel like it has to swing a couple of extra wins your way, just the way he's able to coach. I always say in a lot of podcasts, either on this one or if I'm on the radio or on other podcasts, and people ask me the X factor of a game, I often say it is Kyle Shanahan because I just think he has that ability. You know who's really good at second half adjustments and has been his entire career is Pete Carroll. He's incredible at second half adjustments. I think Kyle Shanahan has become like that. It's not just second half adjustments. It's just ability to adjust and his ability to get the best out of his players and to get to play to their strengths and to scheme to their strengths and do what he needs to do. It's pretty incredible. And it's funny. He said that this was interesting. He said a year ago that a really good coach, like every good coach should be able to get, if you have a, I don't remember the exact letters. So I'm just going to say, let's say you have a C plus player. A good coach should be able to get that guy to a B plus. He said, but a really good coach has your A players always playing at A plus. And I thought that was interesting because I kind of thought it would be the opposite, but he's able to say, okay, I know what I can do with these guys. And then I know I can get the best out of these guys and I'm going to put everybody in their best position. And I think that's why Christian McCaffrey has been so successful. I think that's why George Kittle, and that's not taking anything away from them. They're tremendous talents and tremendous players, but they play for a coach who knows how to get the absolute best out of them. And I think that's why it's been frustrating for 49ers fans to not necessarily see that on the defensive side of the ball. 49ers fans also get frustrated with usage. They think George Kittle should be use more in the past game and all of that. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what you're saying and what we're talking about. <clears throat> Kyle Shanahan knows on a certain day in a certain matchup, he needs George Kittle blocking. And he needs George Kittle blocking so that Brandon Ayuk can get downfield and get separation so that Debo Samuel can get the yards after the catch. And he knows how to adjust for matchup for day. And I, I do think it's an, it's an incredible talent. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to game plan for, because that's a lot of what we were hearing. It was like, it could be this, it could be that. like, nobody really knows. It's not like, not for lack of an identity, but just because you guys <laughs> are so multifaceted and, and what the 49ers are able to do. I think that a lot of the game planning, a lot of the focus seemed to be like today in Jacksonville is just a little bit of like, we're going to try to do what we do and then we'll figure it out later because there's so many different options. I, and I think that's the thing with the 49ers. There are so many different options. There's the Shanahan of it all. And then there's just the the talent of it all. I mean, on an offense with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Elijah Mitchell was their lead running back, and now he's their number two guy. He barely touches the ball, and Elijah Mitchell's a really good running back. I mean, it's not like you're. It's like there's such a fall. I mean, there's a fall because Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey, right. and so he's like next level. But it's like you have a bad player running back too. So it really is incredible. I even even talked about Juwan Jennings, who's like the third down specialist who has become more part of the passing game in the last few weeks because with Debo Samuel being injured. But these are guys, I mean, Juwan Jennings on another team is potentially getting way more targets a game, but this Mm -hmm. team is what it is. And I think what's kind cool about the 49ers too, and it's been this way the last few years, is there's a lot of star power. There's not a lot of ego. They want to win. They want to win a Super Bowl. And however that happens, they're fine. George Kittle is happy to block. 
If that is what he needs, first of all, he loves blocking, but he is happy to be the guy that's blocking so that someone else is catching the ball and scoring a touchdown. They're all like that. I mean, Juwan Jennings is also huge and is a huge blocker for them. So these are, that's just, I think, kind of a cool thing about this team. And so I guess I pose to you before we kind of go into a prediction, what is the identity, would you say, of this Jaguars team? Because in some ways, they kind of feel like they were built similarly to some of these earlier, those early Trent Bonke 49ers teams. So it's interesting because we've been talking about it every week and it changes every week for us kind of too. It's like, what is this team going to be? We feel like we haven't reached our peak yet. And I think what it kind of boils down to um, is they find a way and it's different every single game. Um, Yes, there's consistencies on defense, but like, I, you know, they, even little things like they, they signed um, McManus, our kicker, who's formerly on the Broncos in the off season because they cut him to save money. And now they're at a point where, you know, he had, he's the special teams player of the week because he had four field goals against the Steelers in a rainy day game. And it's like the little things they didn't have before. And it's like, Oh, that's what it was this week. And then, you know, the defense has pick sixes in a different game and that's why they win that game. And it's a little bit of like, it's not flashy and it's not pretty. And that's probably why they don't get a ton of attention and a lot of credit, but they find a way. And there's a lot of Jaguar teams that in the past would never have found a way. They would have been the opposite. Mm-hmm. It would have some spectacular way to blow it. So now it's like if they're down early or if the offense hasn't gotten going, they just find a way to figure it out. And, you know, when you were talking about culture, the Jaguars had to make a huge overhaul after Urban Meyer left town. Things were very bad. Doug Peterson came in. They probably overspent in the free agency market, but they made sure they had character guys, Christian Kirk coming in, Brandon, Brandon Sheriff on the line, formerly with Washington, Zay Jones later in his career. Now he's really helpful in that um, wide receiver room. And they really did. I I'm sure you've been around enough teams that they're not every locker room is like that. So right. when I go in there and there's really not any divas around and people really do take accountability. Um, Evan Ingram's one of the leaders as well, you know, had a tough time in New York and has really had a resurgence since getting to Jacksonville. And it's, it's honestly impressive to go down into the locker room and just, they get it right. Mm-hmm. They want to win. They know what it takes. I think a lot of them have been in poor situations before. So they know what the alternative is as well, which mm-hmm. can sometimes be helpful. And specifically earlier in the season, when they were getting a little bit of hype to start the year, what had happened was they, um, they beat the Colts in week one and then they lost to the chiefs, which was, I felt more like a missed opportunity because the chiefs weren't playing very well at that point in the season. Um, and then they just got completely blown out by retailer Swift, you know, when they, now now they have Taylor, they're fine. Um, (laughs) um, and then the Jags after that had just a complete blowout loss to the Texans in week three. So that was, um, when we ended up going to England, we played two games there and that kind of was their little regroup felt a little bit like maybe a college bowl trip or a Mm -hmm. little bit training camp-esque. They were stuck together. They were about an hour outside London. So it was a little bit of that. Um, they had a, players meeting they kind of just came together and was like this is not what we're doing we're not going to like listen to this hype and think we're going to score 40 points every single game because that's not realistic and then ever since then it's just been like okay it's going to be special teams this week or it's you know forcing the turnovers like i said or, or travis Etienne scoring like three touchdowns in a game or whatever he's going off and doing um so and i think that's a little bit of a doug peterson team too is like whatever it has to be fine it like okay, like we're not going to say Trevor has to throw, you know, four touchdowns every single game. It's going to be somebody else different. Every Everybody's getting a different shout out after the game, you know, game balls going to different people. So it's that versatility. Obviously they've, 
built their team that way. And it's kind of cool to see them. I wasn't here the first year of Doug Peterson. I just came this season. But to be able to flip from where they were as quickly as they have is impressive. Well, and it's interesting when you talk about they find a way, that's what the 49ers have been missing the last three weeks. This was a team that last year, last two years, when they start three and four and three and five, when they'd go on their runs, they'd find a way. And uh, Fred Warner talked about it a couple weeks ago winning the grimy games and how they weren't doing that. And you want to see the mental toughness go up. And that's kind of what they've been missing. I The Cincinnati game, I would say they played their worst football all around, but I almost don't even count that game. I think mm-hmm. it, the Cleveland game, the game in the Minnesota game, <laughs> I really don't want, I really want them to be the Minneapolis Vikings so badly. Well, they're in Minneapolis, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I so badly want them to be the Minneapolis Vikings. But those two games, our games, those were the grimy games and games that in the past they'd find a way to win and they hadn't been doing. So it'll be interesting to see this week because this is a tough week. This is not an easy game. You've got, as I said, another team coming out of a bye, as we've talked about, the the six and two record. They they earn the six and two record. It's not like they've been lucky. They've found a way. They're on a, the Jaguars on a five-game win streak. This is a really good football team with a good quarterback, one of the best linebackers in the country. I mean, Josh Allen's in Incredible. I mean, he's is your Josh Allen. I like to call him the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen. He's, he's an incredible player, and and he has nine sacks. Yes, I didn't even yes. need my uh, I didn't even need my readers. So twenty pressures. Nine yeah. didn't need him for that either. Nine sacks and twenty pressures. I mean, he's an incredible talent, and it's not going to be an easy game. So that brings me to prediction time. I am going to give you the warning that I don't know what to predict and don't really have one for you. But if you'd like to give one, I'd be happy to hear it. I was going to say, I would not be surprised either way on this one. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout in either direction. I think it's going to be, you know, one of those ones close until the fourth quarter, then maybe a one score to 10 point win. Uh, I'm going to keep riding the the Jaguars train until it falls off. They're on, they're on their little streak right now. I have to hope the offense comes alive at some point. Um, and as I mentioned, the fact that the offensive line is all together now, uh, Trevor's not dealing with that knee pain as much anymore. And, this would be the time if there was time to do it. Now would be a great time to do it. Um, also, this is one of the ones that was circled on the calendar, right? There, uh, a couple primetime, big primetime games this season. The Ravens and the Bengals are coming to town, but the 49ers was one that people were really looking at. Like that's a marker game for us just because of what Kyle Shanahan and his teams are able to do. Um, and so a measuring stick game of sorts as well to kind of see how you compare. And it, in the next segment with Matt Sims, I, do, I still don't give you guys a full prediction. But I give you more of a how I think the game is going to go prediction. So stay tuned for that. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Um, I'm on Jaguars Twitter all over their social and jaguars.com. We do um, three shows, three morning shows every week. And of course, we keep you updated on social media. I'm sure you can link my full name. It's K-A-I-N-A-N-I Stevens on Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And I'm excited to see you in person on Sunday. Yes. Safe travels. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, it's time for one of our most favorite segments here on the Tracy Sandler Show. It is What You May Have Missed with Matt Sims, co-host of the Sims Complete podcast. Matt, the 49ers head to Jacksonville. They are, welcome back, first of all. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Thank you. Really Thank jumped you. right in there on those 49ers <laughs> heading to Jacksonville. I'm so focused on the Jaguars. Uh, but they are, they're heading to Jacksonville. They're on a three-game losing streak, coming out of the bye. Jaguars also coming out of the bye. And I just want to talk a little bit about the mental aspect of all of this. This is a team that a month ago looked like the best, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. Three mm-hmm. games skid, 
every week is pretty much now a must win. I don't want to be dramatic, but it kind of is. And there are, I have a couple parts of this. One, and then we, I can ask this again, but one, kind of what's the mental thought process of a player going into a week like this, knowing how important the game is? And two, did the 49ers put too much pressure on themselves by emphasizing this fast start so that they could have the first round bye and home field advantage? Yeah, I wouldn't look too much into that because I think every football team has those off-season goals that, mm-hmm. that they kind of aspire to. That's like, this is the standard of what our, our culture is all about. This is what we need to do to be uh, the most successful we possibly can be with what we all considered was a Super Bowl roster from the mm-hmm. coaches to the players. And um, so I don't want to look too too far into that. That's That's just standard you know, communication between your team and your players and all that. The The interesting thing is, is that the bye week was probably different for a lot of individuals on this football team. Mm-hmm. For Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes, it was not much of a bye week. I'm sure they spent as much time at the facility as they normally would during a normal work week. And I'm sure that was because they wanted to make sure that all parties on the coaching staff were on the same page as far as how the team should be played going forward making mm-hmm. sure that they're on the same page, utilizing players the proper way, and really just filling in whatever gaps they felt like that they were missing both offensively and defensively the past few weeks during this, this losing streak. Um, so for them, not much of a bye week. It was you know, uh, basically burning the midnight oil as much as possible. And for the players, like Chase Young, I'm sure he spent a lot of time there trying to learn this defense as best as he can, understand the communication, I'm sure he was calling Nick Bosa uh, on numerous occasions trying to understand, you know, hey, when we make this call, what do you expect me to do in this pass row situation? What do you call this stunt? All those kind of things. So uh, whereas in then Brock Purdy's case, uh, as we saw, he was harvesting corn out there in the middle of America hanging out. So uh, it varies for players. It varies for coaches. Uh, but you could still see that there was definitely an emphasis for this football team to get on the right page as far as the coaching staff. And that's the most important thing right now. Absolutely. And you mentioned Steve Wilkes, and he's under a tremendous amount of pressure this week. His defense has faltered, though it's interesting. If you really look back at those first five games, and hindsight is twenty twenty, and all of the cliches, but if you look back at those first five games, the issues probably were already always there. It's just the offense was so dominant and they were able to hide some of these issues. And then they've really come to a head in the last three weeks. As Steve Wilkes prepares for this game against a young quarterback who has not had a perfect season, maybe hasn't had quite the breakout season people were expecting, but has still played well. They have a good running back. I mean, they have an offense to deal with. They have a sort of weaker offensive line, but as he looks at this offense and how to prepare for this game, what do you think is going through his head? And for him, is this a must win? I don't think the 49ers are making a change at defensive coordinator this season or in the middle of the season here. But for him, just for his future, is this very much a must win game? I think for the entire team, it's a must win. I'm sure that's something that Kyle uh, said in team meetings of, you know, man, I'm not going to say it's a must win, but you know what I mean, you know, and we got to make sure that we bring it this weekend. You know, we, and for for them to accomplish all the things, like we said, for their offseason goals, mm-hmm. this is a, a week that, yes, no stone can go unturned during this preparation for this opponent. And, and what's really fascinating to me is that we have two teams that are meeting after a bye week. I don't know how often in a schedule where it's both teams are coming off of a bye that'll feel 
you know, somewhat fresher as, as a team, you know, with just getting uh, away from the game, but then also two tremendous coaching staffs mm -hmm. uh, to be able to really dissect and focus on this, this one-off game, so to speak. So it's almost like a little mini college bowl game in a sense <laughs> where both teams know the circumstances, you know, for Jacksonville's case, this will really show people, okay, they're legit. They're, they're a team that really can make a push in a very talented AFC. So we got to go out there and perform, especially on our home field. And then for the 49ers reestablish, you know, who we thought we were. And, uh, and that'll be, that'll be interesting, but it starts at the offensive line. Got to protect Brock Purdy. Have to run the ball more effectively against this Jacksonville Jaguars front, who has a very good front seven, mm -hmm. and really just limit Brock from obvious passing situations because the Jacksonville Jaguars do a great job of, of causing turnovers in the pass game. And there, Josh Allen is really quite good and a little bit scary. And probably <laughs> yes. the yes. two Josh Allens, a tale of two Joshes, but the 49ers don't see the other one this year. So there, Josh Allen is a little bit scary. There's a big difference between six and three and five and four. I right. think a couple of weeks ago, we said there's a big difference between six and two and five and three. But right. this 49ers team for their goals, this one is one they have to win. And I think that's probably true of the Jaguars as, as well. There's a small, fun story, the Trent Baalke revenge game. Uh, he, he built <laughs> the Jaguars kind of similarly to how he built those 49ers teams. So that's just... Yes. A little aside, but at the end of the day, this is a quote unquote must win game for San Francisco. I know that they all, I know that they would say they're all must win games and all of the things, but this one, I think even just from a mental and confidence standpoint, they cannot be on a four game losing streak, you know, heading out of the bye. And then as we look ahead, they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they go to Seattle for Thanksgiving and then they go to Philadelphia. So things are not going to get yeah. super easy for them for them after this no, one. That's, that's a fun, that's a fun little trip right there. Those next few games for sure. And that, yeah. that's, that's where I wouldn't be shocked at the Christian McCaffrey experience here this weekend mm -hmm. is at an all time high. I, I would expect Christian to have at least 25 carries in this game this weekend and, and really just trying to establish the run game. Wouldn't be shocked either to see Brock Purdy and Kyle Shannon get some of their old school stuff that they've done in the past of getting under center, more boots and nakeds, getting him out of the pocket and helping that offensive line just a little bit and really focusing on making the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, which is big and fast, run sideline to sideline as much as they possibly can to wear them out. So then later on in the game, they can take advantage of some of their vertical passes and, and then some of their downhill running ability. Well, it should be a good one. I think this is actually going to be a pretty good game and it should be a, a fun game and I think it'll be close. I I think whoever wins will start to pull away in the fourth quarter. That's I'm that's going to be my big prediction. I'm not going to pick who's going to win. <laughs> Someone is going to start to pull it, but I do think it'll be really close for three quarters and then in that fourth quarter, whoever's going to win the game really will start to pull away and this, the final score probably won't tell the story of the game. Oh, we know what you're trying to say. You're a homer, so you're just saying the 49ers are going to pull away, and that's okay. I'm you're not, allowed to do that. You're I'm not allowed a homer. To do that, I'm Tracy. a beat reporter. I'm not yeah. a homer. I grew up a 49ers <laughs> fan. I started as a 49ers fan, but now I'm not a homer. I don't know who's going to win this one. I can just say, like, in weeks past, too, I picked the 49ers to win, and then I picked it, and I'm like, I don't actually know if they're going to win. I really don't know on this one. I, there are so many variables. I yeah. just... Don't know. I think they're going to beat the Buccaneers next week. I know that. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> that that one. Okay, I I can understand that that aggressive take, and which is you know it, I guess Hot. Hot we'll take. see. You're right, but um, it, it's 
Can they pressure Trevor Lawrence? Can they keep in the pocket? Trevor Lawrence, very similar to a Joe Burrow, does a great job of moving in the pocket and then using his legs occasionally, too. That was something that they had a tremendous issue with and, and all the reason why they went to go get Chase Young. So that'll be a big aspect of it. Can they limit Trevor Lawrence from extending plays with his feet? Because this is a very talented skill group. And we saw what the skill group of Cincinnati did to that secondary uh, when they were put in some really tough situations. So the front four of the San Francisco 49ers really have to play to the level of expectation that we all uh, were, were thinking, you know, going into this season. And, and that will really be the, the fun matchup to watch is, is the front, front seven for both teams. Yep, absolutely. All right, Matt, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Sims Complete on Twitter, Instagram, and and also on our YouTube channel. So uh, check us out. Thank you so much, Tracy. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week. I mean, we know what's going to happen in the game, but we'll still talk about it next week. (laughs) We know what you think will happen. I get that. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what you think will happen. All right. See you later. Thank you. All right, guys, if you liked what you heard, and I know that you did, Please make sure to give us a five-star rating and a super positive review. We are brought to you by Fivo. We are brought to you by Bet Online. You can follow me on Twitter or X at TracyFGSN, on Instagram and threads at Tracy Sandler. And with that, I will talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.